Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Edenbrook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey, everyone. This week, we are wrapping up Season 5 with two amazing guests. First of all, I can't believe it's the end of Season 5 already. Thank you so, so very much, everyone, for sticking with me and listening through all of these episodes this season, and I'm just so grateful that you've been a part of the ride with me. So... Thank you for that. This week, I'm talking with Eric Knight and Rich Esra of Mubu TV. Mubu TV stands for Music Business Television. They are located out in LA, and these guys have a combined goldmine of knowledge and advice that covers the whole gambit of the music industry. Rich worked at two record labels, A&M and Radio Promotions, and Arista in A&R, where he had the privilege of working with the legendary Clive Davis who has signed some of the biggest artists in the world, including Whitney Houston and Kelly Clarkson. Eric has opened for such acts as Kiss, Dave Matthews Band, Aerosmith, and Kid Rock. He started his own artist management company, Persistent Management, not only for his own career as an artist, but also to create a vehicle for other artists to achieve their artistic vision and integrity. Their Mubu TV Insider Series and Insider Podcast is similar to my You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast, as they have guests from all over the industry sharing knowledge that will help you make a living in music no matter what area you are pursuing. We are a companion series to each other, and I can't recommend them enough to check out. We are discussing the importance of being educated about your chosen career path, why you no longer need a record deal to be successful, why you have to be a jack of all trades and a master of all, plus learning who your audience is, finding where they are, then going after them. And we discuss Mubu TV's goal, which is to educate, empower, and engage your music career. Please enjoy my conversation with Eric Knight and Rich Esra. All right, hey guys, I am hanging out here and I'm talking with two guest today, um, Eric Knight and Rich Esra, both from Mubu TV. And I'm super excited to have you guys on. Thank you both so much for uh, for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you, Marty. Appreciate it. All right. Yeah. So people are listening and they're hearing two voices and we got to determine how people are going to know who they're listening to because <laughs> this is not on video. So Eric, say hello and tell us, let, let us know who you are. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Knight. I'm so glad to be here with you guys and uh, sharing our journey with you guys. All right. And then Rich. Hi, this is Rich Ezra. Uh, I, I'm very, very happy to to be here and to discuss 
what I think is a very, very important uh, topic. So thank you so much for, for having us. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for coming on. I'm super excited. Now, we have not actually met in person. Um, your management team reached out to me um, about and telling me what you guys do and who you are and all the stuff that you've been involved in over the years. And Rich, actually, you and I, and you don't know, you may not remember this, but you and I actually talked over email about a year ago um, because of your um, music industry insider news uh, program uh, emails that you put out. Oh, the, and, the score uh, newsletter? Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. So we had, uh, I get that. And then we had both been involved in a sync um, program a couple of years ago. And so, and you had spoken at something, I reached out to you and just said, Hey, I would love to have you actually be on the podcast. And you're like, yeah, that'd be great. And so a year later, here we are. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. It, was it Sync Summit? Yeah, it was. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. From Mark Freezer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He had me as a yeah. guest. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, let's, let's just jump in here. Um, we got double the information to, for people to know, because I want to hear both of your stories. I know we'll kind of have to condense it down just because, of time frame, but um, let, Eric, let's start with you. Can you just kind of give us a quick rundown of who you are, where you're from, what got you into music to begin with? Okay, well, uh, my story starts. I, I was born and raised in Miami, Florida, and uh, I kind of had the bug from uh, of music very early on. My my dad was a musician, uh, played with you know local bands in the area. And uh, I guess I got that bug very early on from my uh, from my family, from both my mother and my father, playing a lot of music in the house growing up. And that bug just continued with me growing up. And uh, it was after I saw a concert of Kiss of all people that uh, really kind of changed my whole <laughs> way of uh, seeing things. And you know, uh, uh, when I saw these guys, I, they looked like, you know, obviously cartoon characters out of a comic book. I was really big into comic books. And I thought, wow, these guys are playing music and they look like, right. uh, you know, like these comic book superheroes. I said, that's what I want to do. And so <laughs> right. the bug, uh, you know, carried on from there. And then, you know, uh, years later, moved here to Los Angeles, uh, went to school at Musicians Institute, which is actually the school that Rich teaches out of. Uh, they had a music business program. And, uh, you know, I've been doing both sides of the industry for a very long time, not only as a performer, as a professional musician, but also on the uh, business side with a management company and everything. So I've had that, you know, both passions for a very long time. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll dig a little bit more into that um, here in a few minutes. But let's, Rich, let's hear from you. Um, what is your story of growing up and kind of working your way into the business? Well, I, I grew up as a kid in San Diego. San Diego, California. I, we, my family had moved from the East Coast uh, in 1964. And from 64 to 67, we lived in Los Angeles. And then from 68 to 78, uh, I lived in San Diego and grew up. And I had very, very close friends that I was friendly with in school who, you know, I always attribute them, uh, the Calabrese family, um, still very close friends of mine, who really were my education into, you know, great music. And they both were musicians. They were school friends of mine. And, you know, the thing that I look back on that period uh, is that, you know, we were in the Renaissance. We were in the Renaissance of great music in that era. 
and we didn't know it. We just thought that, you know, you turn on the radio and of course you're going to hear Led Zeppelin. Of course you're going to hear the new Joni Mitchell. Of course you're going to hear the new Jethro Tull and, and the new and the innovative and the groundbreaking and David Bowie, because that was just what we had. That was that period. Right. Um, and they, you know, were my touchstone to music and the who and uh, Jeff Beck and, and the brilliant musicians. And I became enamored by that. I, I, I had a natural affinity for great writers, um, great players. I mean, that kind of distinction in that era was really pointed out. I, you know, they would point out the brilliance of Jeff Beck, the brilliance of Clapton, the brilliance of Jimmy Page, not only from, you know, a fan point of view, but from a musician point of view and why this was great, why Pete Townsend was such a magnificent writer and what made him a writer, you know, that grandeur, that vision that he had. I remember growing up and when I would listen to Quadrophenia, I spent an entire afternoon listening to that album. And it came with a 45-page book that Townsend wrote. It, it came wow. with, the, with the double album. And yeah. I just remember the scope of his incredible storytelling. And this is all what got me so interested in, in, in music. And as I grew up, you know, into my teenage years, I used to read about the music business in calendar. We would get the LA Times in my high school library. And I started reading about it. And this just became fascinating to me. And I decided that, you know, when I moved up to LA, um, I wanted to be in the music business. And, you know, the, the, first foray that I had, the way you did it back then was you interned. Interned is a term that means you volunteer your time for a company to learn. Right. And that's what I did. I volunteered my time for A&M Records. Um, the one job that I had before that, I got a job as a delivery boy for a magazine called Record World. At that time, there were three major trade publications. There was Billboard, there was Record World, and there was Cashbox. And I got a job delivering the magazines for Record World, which was an ideal job for an 18-year-old at that time because it provided a car. And in L.A., moving up from San Diego, you needed a car. The job lasted two weeks, and they had to let me go. And I, when I asked them why, they said, it's nothing that you did. It's that the size of our company, we require a level of insurance on our drivers that you just don't qualify for. And I, I said, what, what is that? And they said, well, we insure them for very, very high amounts. And the insurance company, when we turned in your information, said, we will not insure anyone for that amount of money that you're asking for who's under the age of 26. They just wow. wouldn't do it at that time. It was too high of a risk. So they had to let me go. And they didn't even think about that when hiring me. So I left that job and I took a volunteer job at A&M Records in the radio promotion department. I, I knew nothing about radio promotion. And I started my journey in the music industry um, with labels at A&M, learning all about radio promotion, you know, which is the art of getting and persuading radio at that time to play your records. And the other aspect of radio promotion that's interesting is, is that it's also about learning what other records they are adding from competitive labels. Why are they adding that Christopher Cross record? What is it that got them to add the Hall & Oates record? How does that compare in terms of an audience to your record? You know, and working all of those kinds of things. And I did that for, I guess, about eight or nine months. And then I managed to apply for a job at Arista Records in the... Um, marketing department 
uh, Northwest Territory for marketing, and I didn't get that job. But I did get a job in promotion because I had that kind of a background. So I took the job in promotion. And I did that for a couple months. And while I was doing it at Arista, it was a part-time job, so I couldn't survive on that. I was also working as a um, night manager at the Beverly Hills Hotel and did that for a long time. I didn't have a car, so I would ride my bike. And eventually I did this for two years. I kept that part-time job between 1980 and 1982. And then I was finally hired on. But in between the job of promotion and getting hired on, I became very good friends with the the A&R director, uh, whose name was Bud Scapa. And Bud was a very, very renowned journalist in rock music. He had written for Crawdaddy and a lot of the other very important music publications at that time. And he was director of A&R. And I would help him and listen to songs and help him organize his demos and things like that. And I eventually got hired on full time uh, to the company. And that's how I began my journey. I began it in A&R at Arista Records. Um, And I kept that job until 1987, um, at which time I left to pursue teaching uh, courses on the music business at Trevis Institute, UCLA, USC, and others. And um, I did that up until 1992 when I stopped teaching. And I stopped teaching because I formed my company that I have, which is the Music Business Registry. And we publish contact directories for the music industry. And the reason that I formed the company is because I felt we were in a new era. We were in a new era of the music industry at that time where directories at that time, contact information, was something that came out once a year. It was all researched in August and September. It was laid out and, you know, printed in November, December, and then sold to you as a book in January. By the time you got it, it was about anywhere from 25 to 35% outdated. And my whole vision was I wanted to build a directory that built in the obsolescence. So you would have a need to have a constant new one every eight weeks. I could cover all the changes. Who moved? Who was hired? Who was let go? Who went from one company to another? And in that era, when I started at 92, there was a lot of that kind of activity. There were six right. major labels in that era, remember, and a lot of independence and a lot of sub-labels underneath them. Unlike today, where there's only three major labels, but a lot more independent labels, which we'll probably right. talk about more later in the conversation. Sure. So yeah. I formed that, and I've had that company for 30 years. Ten years later, in 2002, I returned to teaching. And um, it's been a great journey ever since. I, I, I look at myself and I always consider myself, I don't consider myself an expert as much as I consider myself a committed student. Um, you know, and I think that that's something that, you know, your listeners should understand about a career in the music business. It's a lifelong journey. And I believe, you know, like the whole premise of your show, you can make a living in this business. One of the premises, and I think this is true on larger culture for long-term jobs, is that you can have a long-term lifetime job, but you must be committed to being a lifetime student. And Eric and I are both very committed to that within our own lives and within mm-hmm. what we talk about with regards to the music business. This is especially true, Marty, for the last 10 years of the business, as any of your listeners will know. It's been a profound transformation. 
mm-hmm. and profound transformation. And so I, you know, teach courses. In 2010, I was asked to moderate a panel at Musicians Institute, and that's where I met okay. Eric. Okay. Um, and I, I didn't know Eric. Eric apparently had been a student in the music business program. Uh, at the time that I was teaching there, I didn't know him because Eric was in the daytime program and I only taught at night at that time. So he contacted me and we met. And I, I remember my meeting with him was so fascinating because he had a real vision for what he wanted to do. And I was it was very apparent in my conversation with him that he had a deep understanding of the business and a real clear vision of what it, it what it is that he wanted to accomplish within it. And we talked and we came up with this concept. I mean, Eric shared his vision of what he wanted to do. And I talked about things that I wanted to do and how I always wanted to take education out of the classroom. I had been teaching these kinds of courses at U- the UCLA's and the Trevis Institutes and the Musicians Institutes. They were all private institutes and this kind of education, which is why we support what you're doing so much is because I think it needs to be taken out of the classroom. They were very, very, very expensive programs and rightly so, you know, they're, they're expensive to run. But today, as Eric and I both believe today, it's super important that artists who want to have a career in music become educated about their chosen career path. And that was the vision and the commitment that both of us had toward forming Mubu TV, which has been a venture that we started in 2012 and have been building ever since. And um, it's a whole aspect of learning about the industry from those who are on the front lines of it, whether it's in A&R or in sync or in publishing or in management or in agent uh, or in record production. Um, or in, you know, publicity or in any of the other sure. kinds of social media yeah. uh, and having deep dive conversations like, like you have with your, with your guests about what it takes to have a career in the business. Yeah. Well, sort of I appreciate where we are. Yeah, that's amazing. And I appreciate that you sharing all that. And one of the things that I love is that we are, we are very similar in what we're trying to accomplish with our shows. Um, and just for people to to understand in case we haven't, I think we may not, may not have explained this yet. What does MUBU TV stand for? Music business TV, right? right? Music business, music business television. So just kind of an acronym, I guess, for that to some degree. Um, So, and also one of the things that is funny that people ask me sometimes, you know, it's like, why would you have, because I've had other guests on that do kind of similar things. And, and the question would be, why would you have a guest on that's kind of a competitor of what you're doing, you know, but it's not, we're not competitors. We're, we're all in the same boat trying to help people with the same kind of thing. Right. It's funny that you're bringing (laughs) that up, Marty, because I just recently had this conversation with Rich that we're, we're trying not to, you know, we're not looking at this as like you and I, you you, you know, you, you and us are competitors. We are together messengers of trying to do this and, and you know hopefully we'll have you on our our show down the road and and have you come sure. on it, it's all about this crossover uh thing and trying to introduce our audiences to other people's audiences and vice versa so i think it's really great that you feel that way because we come from that sk- same school of thought that we don't think that this is like some sort of 
competition. We, we want to expose everybody to all the different things that are out there to give them, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of like this 360 degree view of what's out there. Sure. Yeah. And give them a leg up in, in opportunities, you know, that they may not have otherwise. Exactly. You know, we've all been doing this for a long time. Um, and so our, our goal, I think mutually is to make sure that people have all the information that they need to be successful in whatever area, because one of the things that with my show is that it's not just about becoming an artist. It's any area of the business that you want to work in and be a part of it. Um, you can, it's just a matter of knowing how to get your foot in the door to be able to do those things and how that work your way up in that. And so Rich, when you say you started off as, you know, doing an internship at a label in marketing, um, and then work your way up into A and R. It's like okay, you didn't have a, a music degree background in that, you know. But the, then you end up working underneath Clive Davis, who's mm-hmm. one of the biggest, you know, um, music label heads in history. You know, it's like he's Whitney Houston. <laughs> you know, he's all all the all these major major label artists that, you know. And then you you got in and got underneath to work with him. Like that's an amazing accomplishment especially not having a background in it. Yeah, it it was. You know, I knew a little bit about him when I went to the label. Um, I didn't know the extent uh, or the depth of his uh, position in the music business. I mean, it's funny, you know, historically, when you think of the great executives of the 20th century, you know, the Holy Trinity are Ahmed Erdogan, who formed Atlantic, Barry Gordy, who formed Motown, and Clive. You know, and people often talk also about David Geffen, but David Geffen, he wasn't in the same league. And I don't mean that as a put down to David, but David wasn't a music man by his own admission. He wasn't a music person, but David had incredible instincts. So, yeah, it was great. And I learned everything I learned about A&R and about music and about artists and about how to listen to songs. And there is a way to listen and how Clive did that and what he listened for. Um, and his his instincts were incredible. That's great. Let me add, you brought up a, a point that I want to ask you about um, in the and how there is a way to listen to songs. So if someone that's listening to this show right now is either they're already working for A&R or they're wanting to be an A&R person at a label, um, two, two questions. One, how do you listen? From, from your experience, how do you listen to, to songs to be able to say, okay, I'm going to sign this artist because of what they're creating? And then two, um, has the way that you listen to songs as A&R from back then in the, in the heyday to what it is now, has that changed or is it the same? Well, to, to answer your, your second part first, yes, it has changed, and it's because the world has changed, and the reason it's changed is because whether people realize it or not, the criteria, um, as I see it culturally, the criteria of the kind of artists and the kind of things that we love in music today in our culture has radically changed, and it's because of the revolution that the industry went through going from a copy model that we bought of CDs, cassettes, and vinyl to an access model where everything musically, no matter what you want, however you want, wherever you want, on any number of devices you want, on any number of platforms you want, is free, no matter where you are in the world. 
That, I believe, did change the criteria of the kinds of artists and the kinds of acts that will connect with people on an A&R front. It's not talked about a lot, but I believe it's a very, very profound underpinning of the A&R process today. Now, you may say, well, give me some examples. When you look at artists who are signed today, it is not who are successful. It is not just about their music, like it was in the past where you would look at just the songs. Right. Because, you know, Clive used to talk about, like, can these songs break this artist through? Are there two or three hits that can break the artist through? Today, that's not the criteria. Today, questions about their music are relevant, but more important or just as important are, who are they? Where are they coming from? What are they about? Meaning, what do they represent? What are their values? What's important to them? Um, what do they stand for? And on a deeper level, which may not be asked on an A&R front, why should I as a customer or as a consumer care? In a world where everything is free, musically speaking, and I can, you know, as I said, get whatever I want, wherever I want, no matter who I am, that criteria of what you are going to pay attention to and give your time to has radically changed, I believe. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that those values that we had in the 80s and 90s uh, when we had basically a monoculture of radio and the consumer re retail, that was it. You got into that or you weren't a part of the, the firmament. Today, right. I believe it's, it's totally different. And I believe that we see a much more expansive, much greater diverse diversity um, and much greater um, stylistic, broad-based appeal of different kinds of artists that do not fit standard, prescribed standards of what we once knew as this is an artist that can be signed and this isn't. In the world when it was just limited signings with, you know, you got into the label front or you weren't a part of it, then those things existed. Today, that's not true. And the reason is, is for what I had talked about, the reason is, is that from an A&R standpoint, you, me, any artist listening to this no longer needs a label to say, yes, Marty, you get the deal, and I'm sorry, Eric, you don't. We don't live in that world anymore. We don't. Um, we live in a world where you know anybody and everybody can bring their music forth. The real challenge of it today is not the ability to bring your music forth. The real challenge today, as I'm always saying to, to everyone, is the ability to get someone's attention. That's the most valuable commodity of all. It's not money or size, or power, or market share. It's the ability to get someone's attention because that cannot be bought today. That's why that's so valuable. And when I say it can't be bought, it used to be a thing where I could say, well, Marty, how big do we need to make that check for the marketing, for the promotion? And there would be a result commensurate with that. We don't live in that world anymore. L look at the world of television. My God, that's, that's you know, a small... Uh, universe compared to the world of music, where we're putting out 80, 100,000 songs a day or a week or whatever it is, some insane amount. How do you bring attention to that? That's the real challenge today. And that's why I think your question is a very relevant one of the criteria of what is going to be successful today. Today, it's all about, can you find an audience 
that's interested in your music. And it's the greatest challenge, I think, for artists today, because what we're essentially asking them, even though it's not literally being asked, but it is, can you find an audience for your music before I, as an A&R person or as a label, put time, effort, energy, and commitment into you? That's the real challenge. And it's a challenge because I don't know if all artists, most artists aren't designed to be marketers of their music. They're right, not. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that to me is where we see this real schism in the A&R front of, well, I'm very talented or I'm a great writer or I'm a great performer or I'm a great songwriter, but I don't possess the skills to bring attention to my music. There's a real challenge in you operating as an artist today if that's not of interest to you or if that's not a factor that you're willing to consider as part of the reality of being a money-making artist today. It just is. Sure. And so that, you know, that makes us as artists, we are no longer an, just an artist. We are also the business person as well. We have to do, make, we have to make sure everything is in place. If we want to, if we just want to be successful as an indie artist itself. And then on top of that, if we want to, get signed to a label, you know, and move up. I say move up, maybe move over. Yeah, <laughs> go to the next level of your career. Go, exactly. Go from an in, independent artist to a labeled artist, you know, but in order to do that, we have to have all these other things that we are able to do ourselves or have a team around us that can do, that can do that for us, that can get us to that because a, an A&R, an A&R, person at a label won't sign you anymore unless you already have those things in place, correct? That is correct. A&R in the traditional sense, Marty, used to be what I call a faith-based business. Faith-based in that it was like this. A Clive Davis or an A&R person had faith in their own judgment that they knew great talent when they saw it. On another level, they also believed that that great talent would find an audience out in the world. That was the traditional model of A&R since the 20s, okay, up until maybe, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And that model changed with technology. Now, and, 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 and here's the reality of that model. For every 100 artists that were signed under that model, only 10 or 15% of them ever were successful yep. in that old model. Sure. And relative to today, very very few ever made it to the level where they got signed from the past. Today, that percentage, by the way, has gone way, way, way down for a number of reasons. Okay. So today, yeah. technology allows us to say, as an artist, is there a market for my music? Is there somebody interested? Do I have a, a genuine connection with an, with an audience, whether that's in social media whether that's in live performance, whether that's in my songs on online, what is the reactivity? What is the reaction to what I'm doing? Um, that's the challenge today, and that's the criteria today. So, you know, and that can be done in many, many, many ways and many, many, many forms. Um, it takes a lot of research. I think artists today, from an A&R standpoint, need to be asking themselves, who is my audience? It sounds like a simple question, Marty, but when you ask artists, a lot of them haven't got a clue. They haven't, and that's okay. 
But if you haven't got a clue as to who your audience is at the beginning of your journey, then I suggest you start making a serious commitment to learning who they are. Otherwise, you're just doing this. Hello? Hello? Is anyone out there? Metaphorically speaking, as an artist, you're not in the market today, in the market of 80,000 or whatever songs a week or a month or day released, you've got to have that clarity. And if you don't, as we can see, you, 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 your career will just meander, sure. as I've seen. So that, that's a very important part of, of what I think your question is. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Eric, so be, with you being uh, an indie, an independent artist, um, I'm assuming throughout your career, correct? Have you ever been signed to a label? Have yeah, you been indie I've been your whole signed life? to a label before, EMI and stuff like that in the past. Yeah. So I've okay, had, so you've lived, I've been on both you've lived sides. sides of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is, that's great because that, I think that helps our conversation. Um, you know, can you talk about that? Can I kind of piggyback on what Rich just said and how that has affected you? Like, how did that work for you? How did you go about getting signed to begin with to label? Why did you decide to go indie after that? And how have you been able to be successful as an independent artist, you know, since that time frame? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, to answer the question, yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, that was with my previous band from Florida, where I was originally from, where I mentioned earlier. And uh, we right. just had a lot of things that were going on at the time. Very huge following, things of that nature. And uh, what, what time frame I, I want to say in the uh, late 90s. Um, and it was, you know, a time where there was a lot of deals being done with acts. And, and this was in Japan. So this was, you know, for a label, of EMI uh, uh, label in Japan. And... Uh, and so we did that deal and everything was great. And, you know, it, it was interesting to see how, you know, when you are on a label, the promotion that they do and all the things that are involved with putting that stuff together. And, uh, you know, it was good at the time. It, it was uh, it wasn't something that was very uh, that was a long time uh, that we had the deal. Uh, it was maybe a, a couple of years. And uh, and so. When I decided, when that band fell apart, let me put it to you that way, because that that whole thing was another story where the typical things that a band go through and uh, the band had fallen apart. And so when I decided to go on my own, that was at the beginnings of where artists were really starting to take charge of their own career and where these right. things were starting to become more available in terms of like, you know, things like CD Baby, when there was still a lot more physical product and things of that nature. And you were starting to see these things that were proliferating. Uh, within the industry where it made the tools easier for an artist. You know, today we take it so for granted because now, you know, you can record a song in your house and literally mix it, master it on your own and have it up on Spotify, like Rich mentioned, with the 100,000 songs that are getting uploaded to all the DSPs each week. And you could be worldwide overnight. That's the great part of where we're living in this era the bad part is, is that everybody's doing it now and everybody thinks right. that they're a musician and everybody. And, you know, so <laughs> you've got this glut of things. And that's why, you know, me and Rich talk about this all the time, but the labels are struggling. And these are labels like what Rich says back in the day, it used to be this. What's the check that we have to write and we're going to write it and you would get a result with that. But now there's no amount of money that you can put into this that can you know, make headway one way or the other. So it's a real interesting dichotomy that we're kind of living in right now in this particular era that we're in now. Um, 
But what, what I decided to go on my own was because the tools were there. Of course, I, you know, I've been in this game for a long time now. I know how things work. And so I feel like I had the ability to connect with an audience and, and that target audience, which is what Rich was mentioning earlier too, that a lot of artists and it's okay, you know, if you're at the beginnings of your career that you're, you're not knowing, you know, who the audience is, that's the part where you really need to focus in on is trying to find out who that audience is because it's not a one size fits all uh, anymore. We can't shotgun the approach anymore. You have to know who the audience is. We live in a, in a mass of niches now and uh, you need to find where you're niches and you know you hear that saying that the the riches are in the niches and that's kind of the world that we're living in now is not trying to reach that critical mass anymore but just trying to find that audience that very narrow world where you can build something from there and build a career from that and that's what we're seeing now we're seeing a lot of artists that you've never heard of me and rich have this conversation all the time that are touring they're selling out everywhere they're playing. I mean, you know, and you've never heard of these people and you're like, where have these people come from? But you're you're seeing the results. So that's the part where we came up with the thing with Mubu TV. And what we're so fascinated is, is that we feel that we're in a time now where your listeners and our, our listeners and viewers don't have to work, you know, don't have to be thinking about, well, I want to be signed to a record label. I mean, there is certain people that still want that dream of being on a label. But the great part of the time that we're living in now is that you can build your own career without the support of a label. And and then if you build it, kind of like they will follow. And in the future, maybe a label does come along. And then if you want to cross that bridge and go into a major label contract, uh, you can do that because... I do believe, in, and Rich and I have talked about this several times, the labels, the major labels are amplifiers. They're really great at taking where you're at and taking it from here and going to point B and taking it to the moon. They are masters at doing that. That's why they're still in business. Um, what I think now, artists have to kind of build that critical mass for themselves. They have to build a story. They have to build this kind of almost universe onto themselves to where they can take this and go, okay, this is who I am as an artist. This is my music. This is what I stand for. This is what I believe in. And do I have like-minded people, which are the audience, the consumers that believe in what I'm in, uh, speaking about or singing about in my music? And how can I take that to a bigger audience and take that to the next level? And I think that's the beauty of where we're in now that it is possible and we're seeing it every day. We're seeing examples of this happening every day. That's great. And I appreciate you sharing all that. Um, that that's great information that, that people need to know. And I just don't think people understand that well enough. Cause I even, you know, you said, you know, there are artists that you guys have never heard of that are selling out venues all the time. And you know, and I see that too. And I'm thinking, man, where are these people coming from? Because you don't hear them on the radio. You don't see them on TV. You don't see them in magazines. It's like, you know, it's all, I'm assuming it's, <clears throat> assuming it's all social media that they're getting, you know, they're getting their audience on Instagram and Twitch and, uh, you know, Facebook, whatever it might be, YouTube, I guess, um, all those different places. And then because of that, they're starting to, they can draw an audience to wherever they're going to be playing kind of a thing. And, um, you know, I think the three of us are are at an age where those things 
are necessary evils. The people coming up, it's like, that's all that they know. And so they love it. There's nothing that they could, would even know otherwise to, you know, to even try because that's just the world that they have grown up in. But we grew up in a world that didn't have that. And so we're kind of having to like retroact our way back to, you know, and start kind of start over and do things differently. You know, if we want our careers to, to keep going forward, we have to look at it differently and pursue it differently than we did back in the, in the nineties and the early two thousands and things like that. If that, does that make sense? Yeah, I believe so. It's all about adapting. That's the key is yeah. to adapt to your, Adapting you know, is right. that, that's what I love about a uh, rich, rich came from that old business model that no longer really exists in that form anymore. It does, but there's, it's, it's a shadow of what it once was in the way it worked and the way that it functioned. You know, we've gone like richest, you know, we've talked about in the past, we've gone from a copy model to an access model where it's not physical anymore, even though there is still people that are, that are enjoying that type of physical stuff with vinyl having a resurgence and all those things. But it's shifted so much. And what I admire so much about Rich is that he's adapted to what that old model is and has adapted to what it is now. And that's, I mean, it's a great point that you bring Marty, because it's all about adapting at whatever stage you're at, even if you're just starting now, it could be so overwhelming uh, just because of the plethora of platforms that are out there just on social media alone. Uh, You could just drown in in the social media minutiae of what's going on in that world uh, onto itself. So yeah, it's a very interesting question, but yeah, I, I think adapting is the key, you know, to survive in this industry. Yeah. No, that's a, I think that is a perfect word for, for that is adapting. That's great. It's also Um, adapting your consciousness too, Marty. I I, want to add is that, you know, so, so much of what we're talking about is about the realities of the world today. So much about your podcast that you're doing is about how to help people make a living today. And one of the things that I, I think so many artists, especially ones who are starting out think it's about is finding someone who will be a vehicle to take their career to the next level based on just their talent. And I see that all the time. I see that with people who are not so talented and I see it with people who are extraordinarily talented. And, you know, and I've seen those situations. I've spoken to record company presidents who have said, you know, I found XYZ who is extraordinary. And, you know, even one's, couple years back who they signed that whole process of building and building an awareness it didn't work because you can't just force someone onto the marketplace and create this like eric's talking about this foundation which is so necessary today um and the few flukes out there where it you know they had a massive massive hit a lot of times when you look behind this the scenes of that nobody cares they have like a, a hit single that's, you know, three, 400 million plays, but nobody's writing about them. They can't get any press. Nobody wants to see these people live. It's like everybody got into the Ferrari and they all floored it for a career that just came to a halt. You know, it's like they floored it to a stop sign. So mm-hmm. th- you have to, as, as Eric is saying, like really see your career as a, as a whole thing. It's not just about one thing or about, somebody or a manager or a label or somebody who's going to do it for you. Um, That's really important. And that's one of the most foundational shifts 
I've seen is that, as you know, Marty, artists used to have to be really talented, great writers and great performers. And there were systems in place that you well know that were there to support the artists, that were there to give the label support, that were there to give you tour support, that were there to you know help you with management. And all those systems are gone for the, le- for, for the beginning artists today. It's right. like the metaphor I use is that if artists look at their career as one to 100, scale one to 100 on a career, you have to bring your career to at least a 40, maybe 45, before you can get the attention, like Eric's saying, of attracting a label who can then, you know, as he so aptly put it, amplify what you're doing. But mm-hmm. to create that from the ground up, that's what labels, in, especially in A&R, will not do anymore. There isn't the time, there isn't the resources, and there, there's way, way too many in order to do that process the way that they once did when they controlled the market, when they were the only game in town, then they could operate like that. But they can't do that today. Such an interesting dynamic, how, a way that things have changed over the years. And um, I, I'm curious, and, and this, either one of you or both of you can answer this um, according to you know how it, it works for you. Um, something that's interesting to me is that in order to, you know, like, like Rich, you just mentioned, if you're signed to a label, you've got these other things in place to help move your career forward. You've got, you've got a management team, you've got a publishing team, you've got radio and you've got, you know, press and publicity and all these different things that are already that, that come with it, that are pushing you out there when you are signed to a label to help get your career going, right? Or to keep it moving at least. So, but as an independent artist, you can't, you can't just automatically have those things. You know, I mean, you can get, um, you can get maybe a management team to sign you, or you might get a publishing team, but unless you have one, or the other, you can't get, you can't get one without the other, if that makes sense. Like I, you can't get, um, a booking agent to just sign you because you're a great artist. Right. And they're not going to sign you at the, the booking company is not going to sign you as an artist unless you have management and a publishing team, but they're not going to, you know, but then you go to one of the others and say, Hey, can, you know, can I get a deal or whatever it is? Well, they're not going to sign you because then you don't have the booking. So it's kind of like this, you know, this vicious cycle. You can't have one without the other and you can't get your foot in the door because the other one won't let you in. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. I, I, I'll say that, you know, the, the, the agent thing is, is one where we've talked to agents before about this and what is, as you say, on the artist or the band to do for themselves today is to build the following. If you can sell 300 to 500 tickets outside of your hometown, you can attract a, an agent. Um, agents don't create. This isn't the era where you can you know, take on a, a band that's really, really good and they can call in favors. In a world where there were far, far, far fewer, agencies had that luxury. They don't have that luxury today. Today, and agents have told us many times, you need to be able to come to us as a proven entity, even on the smallest level, three to 500 seats. 
So that's the real challenge. I believe you can get an agent without a label. In fact, I know it. Um, sure. AP, APA has over 200 artists on their roster of like 500 that don't have deals. So, so I, I know that's possible to do today. You don't need a label and you don't need a publisher to get an agent. What you do need is an ability to sell tickets, you know, 300, 500 seats. That's the minimum that they want. But that's what agents are looking for is something like the labels, like Eric was saying, something they can build upon uh, and, and build it. It's not like, but starting from scratch, yeah, no agent is going to take you on because, wow, you're a really great artist. No agent from who has a lot of clout and power. They don't have that authority anymore. And they don't have that authority because there's way too many artists already out there. There's way too many acts on their own roster. And this is what agents have told us, that that's what they're looking for in terms of what they'll sign as far as new acts, if you have that ability. So just honing in on, on that. Sure. I appreciate that. One of the things that, you know, the people that I know that work in the booking um, agencies, you know, they, um, they sign artists because the artist has signed to a label and because they were get, they got a, a hit single out, you know, that hit single comes out all of a sudden the booking agency will sign them and then they're putting them out there. And then they've got, they've got an audience because they've got a single on the radio because they're signed to a major label. That's the point I was trying to make a minute ago. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can't do, and if you don't have the single out because you're not signed to the label, then the booking agency is not going to sign you, you know, because, you know, all of those things, they kind of keep stacking on top of each other. And it just becomes really frustrating. And because you don't have that, you can't get your foot in the door at one of, the, one of these places because you don't have the other thing set and they're not going to sign you because you don't have this other thing before that set. So it's just this confounding, compounding you know, deal that just becomes really frustrating. And I understand, I mean, I get it. I, I know why they won't do it, but you know, when you're an independent artist and you're like just looking for a break and you're working your tail off and it feels like you're just bring, banging your head on the wall all the time. It's like, how do you break through that? So Eric, as an independent artist, you're successful. How have you, how have you broken through those types of barriers? Well, I think it goes back to, you know, the first thing is that you've got to have great music that's never changed in the history of the music industry. So you got to let's start there. You got to be writing great songs, period. That's number one. That's like your baseline. If you're not writing great sure. songs then you know, you can't there's nothing to build on. Uh, I right. don't care what it is you're doing. You, It starts with the great songs, period. And that's number one. Number two is that you have to what we've been talking about during our conversation is trying to find out who your audience is, like immediately trying to find out who that audience is, what that wheelhouse of, of you know, of uh, people that are out there, your avatar, which you may have talked about in other episodes of, of yours, uh, which is trying to find who that avatar is, whether, you know, what's your ideal male avatar, what's your ideal female avatar, and giving them names and, and making characters and going, okay, these are the people that I Eric Knight, I'm going after. And this applies to every person that's listening to this podcast is trying to find out who that audience is. And then I think also it's building the story and getting back to what Rich says. I think the only way that you're going to do this, and I see the point that you're making, Marty, it's almost seems like it's, uh, it's like this impossible hill to climb, but it, it can be done. You just have to have those elements in place. You have to know what it is that you stand for. Um, 
you know, do you stand for social causes, uh, you know, uh, different types of rights? I mean, you know, you have to really identify who it is that you are first and how can that translate to an audience that's going to say, wow, I really dig what that person is doing and I really believe in what that person is doing um, to where I'm going to follow whatever it is that they do. I'm going to purchase whatever it is that they have to, to, to buy. And so those are the things that you have to kind of as an artist today, and I always say you have to become a jack of all trades and master of them all. It's no longer like you you said it perfectly, Marty. You, you've become a business. We've always become a business, but now even more so because we have so much power in our ability to be able to get music out there quickly and to be able to do all these things that were really the job of a label. Now you have to just learn how to execute those things. And, you know, if that means getting friends and showing them and training them how to do things and learning those different things and building a team around there. There's countless bands that you can talk about that have started with just having friends and people getting together. I, I think you and I, Rich, when you did the interview with Pete Gambarg at Atlantic Records, we talked about the whole thing with 21 Pilots, which is a yeah. really huge band that, you know, uh, they they basically started that with a team of their friends and each one of them had a role that they played and they've become one of the biggest bands in the world uh, in a very short period of time. And so there's a lot of examples of where if there's a will, there's a way. It's just a matter of trying to approach it from a, you know, really from a business standpoint. You have to, and I know it's hard because a lot of people that are listening to this are like, well, I'm not a business person. I have no business, you know, acumen. And uh, if you really want this badly, you have to really, like what Rich said at the beginning of this podcast, is that you have to dedicate this life that you're living to a life of learning. Uh, and it's not going to happen overnight. You know, you hear about the overnight success of 10 years with every artist putting in your 10, <laughs> yeah. putting in your 10,000 hours. Uh, you know, it's all of those things and more. And you have to have a thick skin and be able to accept rejection and people telling you no, no, no. And still believing that even though you're getting all those no's that you're going to get closer to your yes. And so, uh, it sounds overwhelming what I'm saying, but it can be done and it's being done every day. And so what I do is approach it from that standpoint is learning who my audience is, finding out where are those people, uh, you know, uh, congregating and then going after and finding them and targeting them and then getting your music out there and seeing how it connects. And you and it's it's a war of attrition. I always look at it. And I told Rich, we had a conversation the other day that I spoke at, at his class at uh, MI, my former school. And I told him, I give you the analogy of like you're running for president, you know, not to get any into any politics, but I'm just saying, let's just say you're running for president, whether you're a man or woman, and you, you're shaking everybody's hands every day. You're like going on campaign in every city and every part of the world in the United States. And you're, you know, you're hugging the babies, you're, you're doing, and, and what you're doing is selling your music. So it's like one person at a time. This is a war of like that you're going after one person at a time, getting them on your side and going, wow, I really love what you're doing. Great. That's what's giving you the inspiration to get to that second person, the third person. Right. And hopefully those people are going to spread the word. And then all of a sudden, now you've got this community of people that, you know, are in love with what you're doing, believe in what you're doing, and they become your your advocates and they become ambassadors for you. And, and then it just spreads from there. So, I mean, there's all different kinds of ways. There is no 
uh, right or wrong way. There is no blueprint. There, there's multiple blueprints. It's just a matter of finding out where you're at and then how to go about threading that needle. Yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Um, I want to switch gears for a minute and and talk more on the business side of some things. So Eric, I know that you have started your own management company. Um, so because for a lot of people that are listening that have no music ability, they don't want to be an artist or a writer or producer or anything on that end, but they want to work. They're great. You know, they're great at numbers. You know, they're, they're great at, you know, keeping records or whatever it is that, um, that they could apply to working at, whether it be at a label or a publisher or BMI or ASCAP or one of these places, you know, that as a business person, they could work in the music industry. Um, or management or those types of things. So, and as an independent artist, you know, you, we've been talking about, you have to have all these different things in place and we have to do it ourselves now. So you started your own management company. Um, so talk about that. How did you, why did you start your own company? Um, how did you go about it? And, you know, what kind of has kind of been the result of doing that for people that that might want to start their own management company as well. Yeah. I mean, I started it really out of a path. I mean, well, first of all, I started as like basically a vanity company for my, for my projects for like that previous band that I mentioned to you back in Florida that had a lot of things going on. We were managed by one of the, one of the big managers at the time in the area. And they went on to get a couple, a few bands signed to major labels. And, uh, what I saw was, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a mutant in that respect. I just love the business side of it as well, too. So, you know, I fell in love with that part of it as well, too. And I wanted to learn first and foremost, but also because I didn't want to, uh, you know, uh, be taken advantage of by other people in the industry. You hear all these horror stories of people getting taken advantage of and, you know, wasting all their time and money on things that, you know, they should have never done. And so I really wanted to learn from that standpoint. But for me, the bigger mission and the message of why I started the management company is because I love what we're doing now that we're trying to talk about and educate as many people as possible. I'm really big into, I, I believe in artists and people that I'm passionate about. And I love the fact that I can take a band or an artist that's starting from, let's say zero and be able to take them from this point, from point A to point B uh, I love doing that. And so that's where my passion started for managing other bands. Uh, I had so many friends and people that were so talented that just didn't have that, you know, that guiding light or somebody just telling them, you know, you got to do, you know, they're just flying blindly. Like, you know, a lot of the listeners that might be listening now. And I love to be able to be that guiding light for that person, to be a champion for that artist. And so that's really the motivation of why I started it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I get a lot of great joy with helping, you know, artists and people and even people that are not on my management company uh, to be able to help them and guide them. You know, we're just, you know, what we're all doing on this show is to be able to educate people. And so I love to teach people and love to show people to, to let them save some steps along the way to not do all the mistakes that we've made and be able to just kind of learn and go, you know, hear the stories of other people, of what they've done and what how they've gone about it. And so, um, yeah, I started that company and, uh, it's been great. I've worked with, with several artists and, uh, it's, it's, it's a great reward to be able to take, like I said, just an artist from where they're at today and taking them to another level. I just love doing that. I'm a big, you know, I'm a big strategy guy. I love chess and that whole idea of, you know, 
how to think 10, 15 moves ahead. Uh, that's really important to me to be an advocate for them because I can speak their language. I know the psychology. I know what they're going through on a daily basis. This is like a roller coaster that we're living as artists. You you should know that as well as I do that, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. there's the highest of the highs one day and it's like the very next day, it's the lowest of the lows. It's and it's and it's, you know, trying to navigate through those waters and to where you can get yourself kind of to that kind of even keel where, you, you know, no rejection that's going to come your way is going to affect you at, at the end result of what you're going to do. You're going to keep moving forward no matter what. If there's a brick wall, you're going to find a way to either break that brick wall or you're going to go around it. And that's kind of the whole thing with this, you know, what we're what we're talking about. Yeah, I always I tell people all the time, you know, when when it's all said and done, I'm I will probably be the last person standing in the music industry because I'm just never going to give up. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, and that's what, the way that you, the, and that's the way that you have to be. I mean, that that's exactly yeah. what me and Rich talk about all the time. You have got to live, breathe everything. You have got to wake up with it. I mean, it, it's, it's this kind of weird thing that, you know, very few people I see have it. There's people that want to be in the music industry, whether it's on the business side or on the performing side. But there's a lot of people that don't do what it's what you're what it's willing to take and the amount of rejection and the amount of adversity that you're going to face in this business. I mean, it's so, uh, you know, the only way I can attribute to that analogy is you're just on a roller coaster. You're just going up and yeah. down every day. So, yeah. Now, I will say this, that for people that are wanting to that are just wanting to work at a company, they want to work at a label or a publisher or management or something like that. And it's kind of like an, you know, an office job, basically. Right. Uh, they just want to say that they're a part of the music industry because they love music and they can, they can apply their skills in that setting, you know, for those types of people that are listening. Yeah. Um, I would say it's not, it's not a roller coaster as much as it is right. for the art the artists and songwriters like us. But for people that just want a job in the business and doing what they know business wise they can do, um, that's probably a more stable aspect of it. Just, but I don't want to, I don't want to scare, I want to make sure people aren't scared off. Right. By the no, fact no, that, no. I, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I was you know, talking more from the artist side, but yeah, on the business side, it's a I little bit more, that. it's a little bit more level. And, you know, it, you know, and, and it's like everything, you know, you got to look for an internship, like what, uh, Rich was saying before, internships are still big. I have internships at my yeah. for my management company, and those are kind of the ways to break in. Is you know do internship work. You know if it's an A and R that you want to become, send an A and R. We've we've interviewed several A and R people from major labels that ask. You know, hit me up on Instagram. Send me a DM of a band that you think might be great, and if it's something that you know we end up using, or I think, wow, this person has got ears for this. We'll, we'll hire you as like a consultant. I mean, we've, we've heard several people. I think Andrew Grant mentioned that in one of our interviews, Rich, with uh, from Atlantic Records. So, you know, there's all kinds of ways to get into it. It's just a matter of, you know, how willing you are to do it. So, yeah. I Go also ahead. want to add something to what you said, Marty, which is that I think it's very important for people like you're talking about who want a job, not as an artist, but a job in the music industry today that and this is expected today, that their level of knowledge and education, I don't mean formal education, but that their knowledge of, of the business is at a higher level than it was before. It's not just, I need somebody in the office to do this. If you really want to work in A&R, then you need to be doing a deep dive in your life about A&R, about 
the, the kind of music that you truly love. If you want to do that for management, then you need to start becoming aware of what's the landscape of management today. Do you yeah. understand philosophically how much power artists and managers have in the career of an act today? Do you understand the role that they play? It's not just, you know, I want to learn this. Yes, there is that aspect. Now, I'm not saying everybody has to be an expert. But you have to be, as Eric was talking about before, you have to be really committed, even as an intern, that this is something you really want to do. Because I think even, as you were saying, you know, just the security of a job, that today at the Atlantics, at the Interscopes, at the Sonys, they expect a higher level of those kinds of people in terms of who they're going to hire. Sure. Who they're going to hire. And, and, and I've heard this from interns who take an internship at Sony and it was like, Wow, that was like going to graduate school, and I, I, I didn't. Re I thought it would just be X, Y, Z. Instead, it was A through you know V, that that that's expected, and mm. that that's a, I think a very important thing. Also, know your skill set. If you're going to work in the Christian music field, know the Christian music field. Know yeah. how those artists connect. Know the work of the church. Know how artists perform and how that's a very big factor in the, in the live setting and in the artist development process. If you want to work in, 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 uh, you know, rock music, know what the basis of rock music are. Know, understand the elements of touring. Again, I'm not saying you have to be an expert, but I'm saying today, and this is something I really feel strongly about. Today, we live in a world, as you know, Marty, where information is very, very accessible. What we're doing now couldn't be done 10 years ago, where you had the right. ability to talk to people who are experts from all over the country. It is today. Somebody who wants a job in the music industry today doesn't even have to leave their bedroom as long as they're committed to reading music business worldwide, billboard, these kinds of things. It will come to you. But you do have to have that commitment. It's not just like it was in the past where I don't have $400 for a billboard subscription, therefore I'm, I'm, I'm out of luck. Right. No, that's not the world we live in today. So I want to emphasize that because I think that people that want jobs in the industry, this is a new industry and the expectations of the business are a lot higher than they were in the past for people who want jobs, who want jobs, who, who want to like work in that. Talk to some of the agencies, you know, ask them these questions. They'll, they'll tell you if, if you ask directly, you know, like, What's the expectation of the people that you hired today versus five, 10 years ago? Radically different in terms yeah. of expectation. And the tools are out there for your listeners to get that. The tools are out there for them to learn. It, as I said, they don't have to even spend money and go out, but they do have to spend the time. And I think that's a very important distinction. Uh, yeah. And Eric was talking about that earlier, about that commitment that you need. In other words, even if you want a job in the business, it does have to be a way of life. If it's to be your living, if it's sure. to be your living. And also to yeah. add to what Rich says real, uh, real quickly, I think you have to have your, your skill sets definitely need to be up. You need to be social media friendly. You need to learn all the platforms. Even if you know how to do Canva design work, I'm telling you, you're jumping, you know, as an artist and yeah. as a, a music business professional, You've got to learn all these skill sets, whether you want a job in the industry or whether you're trying to be a performer. And that's a super important distinction that you've got to learn these things because the more you know, the more valuable you become to that 
label or that entity, yep. uh, you know, an ASCAP, EMI, or whoever it is that you're trying to go for, you become very valuable at that point. Sure. And I, I talk about that quite a bit on the show with different different guests. And we're kind of always talking about this is that the more you understand of the business in, in all of the business, not just one or two aspects of it, the more, but just an overall encompassing umbrella idea of the business, the more that you know about it, the more opportunities that you will have. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and to your point, Marty, it has never been easier. And I've been at it for 45 years. It's never been easier to accomplish what you're saying information wise. The sources are out there. They will come to you. The information will come to you. But you do have to have that commitment to learning it, to reading that stuff every day, to keeping abreast. And I don't care what genre or what field or what area of the business, there's information out there. And keeping abreast of it and what you're doing, like like what I do with SCORE publications, you know, I put that out every week. I call maybe 30 to 40 different publications to put that thing together every week of things that I think are important. And I don't want to send the stuff that I think you're going to see from 200 other sources, but things that you may not know that are important because that's where the learning comes from. But my point is, is that it's never been easier to learn what you're talking about. Never, um, because the sources are there today. But what has to be present is that willingness to read that stuff and make that a committed part and integrate, like Eric was saying, into your being every single day. If this is to be your career, or if this is like something you want a a a, a job in, you know, I, right. I always distinguish like you know artists. There are a lot of artists who want music as a hobby, and that's great. Music can be a hobby, a wonderful hobby for many artists who, you know, want to perform once or twice a year for their friends or make a recording, or whatever. But it doesn't mean it's your career. And the same thing with what you're talking about, Marty, about people that want jobs, secure jobs in the business. Those people, I think you have to know, like Eric was saying, the value that you can bring to something because that's what people are looking for today. And I think they're looking for that precisely for the reason we're talking about this, because there is so much out there. Therefore, the expectation has gone way up. And I even Mm -hmm. see that on the technical side, like recording engineers, you know, people who study recording engineering, then want to go work in studios, what the studios used to want and accept from beginning novices was here. Now you want a job in a studio, like a beginning job, the expectation of your skill set is here. So it's a lot higher. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, that I think is an important point in terms of what you're talking about. Well, I appreciate that. Um, and one of the, one of the important ways and places to go learn about things would be Mubu TV. How's that for a transition? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, <laughs> is that pretty good? <laughs> um, so let's talk about what you guys do with Mubu TV and and just sort of that whole uh, music business television. Um, what What is the purpose of it from your perspective? What are you trying to, I mean, we've talked about it to some degree, but like, let's just lay it out, um, you know, let our, my audience to know what it is that you guys are are doing and trying to accomplish with that and, and how can they um, learn more about what you guys are doing. You want to start, Eric? Go yeah, ahead. yeah. I would say that you know our mission, as we say in all of our all, all of our promotion, is to educate, empower, and engage your music career. And uh, what we're trying to do 
like Rich said several times earlier, that, you know, we're trying to take that education out of the classroom. And what we're doing is we're trying to bring you the top people from the industry, whether, you know, like what he said earlier, whether it's A&R, music supervisors, music publishing, music attorneys, uh, on and on and on, you you name it, in successful independent artists. Uh, and what we're trying to do is bring you that inside information uh, on whether if that's what you want to pursue, because there is a lot of people that want to pursue a major label. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're trying to bring the, the bigger part. The bigger part of our mission, I think, is trying to let people know that there is more one path to success. And that's where we were talking about earlier about these artists that are coming out of nowhere and we're going where are these artists coming from and they're selling out yeah. every venue they play they're selling tickets they've got you know millions and millions of streams on on spotify and all of the other platforms and so our mission is to do that and you know and, and we're here to obviously to educate too so we're we're gonna be putting out videos that we're working on now i mean we've really started for many years exclusively with interviewing people in the industry but what we're doing now with this whole relaunch that we started is we're trying to bring that information of what we were talking about earlier about how do you know who do your who your audience is? How do you go about getting them? So we're getting into the real granular step by step of like real results. This is how you go about doing this. Step one, step two, step three. And so we're 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 coming from that standpoint. And, uh, you know, we're going to, we're, we're doing live streams and all of these kind of things. And then we've got the podcast, uh, which we've launched this, this go around with this whole relaunch, uh, where it's a more deeper dive than our video content. Cause the video content is a little bit more abbreviated, but the, the podcast are deeper dives, uh, with top people, whether they were in the industry in the past, but, but had a tremendous impact or people that are in it now. And so that's kind of what we're doing. And, and in terms of where people can find us, I, I guess a good starting point will be two places. Our, our website, which is mubutv.com, M-U-B-U-T-V.com. And then our, our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash mubutv. I think those are the two kind of gateways and entry points where people can find out what we're about and what we're doing. Awesome. Rich, you have anything to add to that? Well, you know, it, it, the idea, too, to add to what Eric was saying is that, you know, we want the information that can help artists and help industry professionals or future industry professionals to come from the horse's mouth. Um, uh, you know, it's it's not just that, you know, I expect people to tune in and just listen to Eric and I. Um, we're sort of the, the guides for you, if you will, of taking you to all of these pros and sort of getting the questions, you know, representing our audience and getting the questions that they want answered, you know, from an agent and using the element of going to all the various fields of how you do this by having those people on the show. Um, yeah. And as, I, as Eric said, you know, the, the podcast, as opposed to the uh, insider video series, really allows for a deeper dive. You want to understand artist management and what that really is about. You know, listen to some of the interviews we do that, you know, talk for 90 minutes about developing an artist from the ground up. You know, when do they take a client on? What do they look for in a client in the non-creative areas? That's something that's never talked about, but is very present in, in any aspect of business. In other words, they could be the most talented artist in the world. Why didn't you sign them? Well. There were behavioral problems. I couldn't get along with them. They didn't listen. 
there was a drug problem. That it, you know, there's a hundred reasons why you know they. I wanted it more than they did. You know, all yeah. of these non-creative elements, and th- this is where you get into the when you speak to these people and you know the kind of information you want to pull out. This is where it becomes really insightful, I think, for the audience is to get not only the obvious things we want talent, we want you know great singers, great people. But the non-creative stuff, we want to get to the stuff that people don't speak about. Um, that really matters. That becomes like the reason why people take somebody on and why they don't. Um, yeah. And it's the same in publishing. I mean, I, we, we talked to the president of Cobalt Music last year, um, Sass Metcalf. And, you know, she said right to Eric and I, you know, we're looking for people who are committed to this as a career. We're looking for people who we sign as producers and songwriters who are going to work just as hard as we are, not like, oh, well, we're signed to Cobalt. They'll do the work and give me a call. Um, you know, they, that, that they're looking for people who want a career more than they do. Um, Andy Gould, who's a great, great artist manager, once said that the most heartbreaking thing for him was when he discovered that he had clients that, want, that, that where he wanted the career for them more than they did. He said, mm-hmm. that's heartbreaking because he said he had invested years of commitment, time, and energy into clients who he truly believed in. And it was more important to Andy that they have a career than it was to those artists. And he said, I couldn't be the one who wrote the songs. I couldn't be the one to get out on stage and do the work. And he said, and it was heartbreaking. And I ended up you know, severing those relationships because I realized they will never have the career that they want if they were relying on me. So all of these things I think are so important and we get to the meat of that in, in, in a lot of these interviews and a lot of the insight that we have gathered for, um, for our audience from those uh, pieces on Muba TV. I love it. I think that's what I love about our conversation is, is realizing as we're talking even more, um, you know, hour and 15 minutes into this is that, you know, we are really, we really are a companion podcast, I think, because we are really kind of hitting a lot of the same, that deep dive, trying to get as much information out of the guests as we can and really to get them to explain. And you guys have done an amazing job on that today, even, uh, of just explaining, you know, things that the audience needs to know. If you want to be successful in this field in any shape, way, or form, these are the things that you have to do. You're going to, you're only, you're only going to be successful if you apply yourself in these ways. I mean, not only these ways, but at least these ways that we're talking about. Right. Um, so that's super helpful. And I really appreciate you guys. I'm excited for people to, uh, to be able to check it out and to learn more uh, about you guys. And uh, so I encourage all of my listeners to go to um, mubutv.com, right? M-U-B-U-T-V.com. Correct. And uh, check out the podcast there. And then on, on YouTube, dot com forward slash mubu tv correct and um so and that's where the video series is right it's more of a, a right more, and then, shorter, you, can, more and then you can go yeah and then for podcasts like your podcast we're available on stitcher you know spotify apple podcast google yeah. you know every every podcast streaming network in the, <laughs> the planet i wanted to ask you because uh, rich you mentioned you just mentioned something i'm trying to remember um what it was but um oh you're talking about the the manager wanting the career more for the artist and the artist wants for themselves. Um, how have you guys ever dealt with 
artists who have are given everything that they know how to give. And no matter how hard they try and, and like success, like they're good at what they do. They're very, very good at what they do. Right. Um, and no matter how hard they try, they can't get management or booking or labels or publishing or anything to sign them, you know, and like they want it more than anything in the world. Like they will work as hard as any, as anyone else, any of the major labels, successful people, they're working harder than them and they just can't get that to happen. Have you experienced that? And how do you encourage people that are in that scenario? Well, I think you have to just, you know, there's got to be some kind of factor that's going on there. I mean, I guess it would depend on what the situation is and what's happening. You know, I, I would have to like, you know, talk with that person and see what's going on. Maybe it's something that they're doing and it's, it's an obvious thing that they're not seeing, but somebody from the outside can come in and go, this is what your problem is. Um, but I think it's just, you know, that whole thing of just continuing to try. I mean, me in my journey as an artist, I'm sure Marty, you've been an artist to yourself, your whole career. Um, you know, I have had just me personally, just, there's been so much rejection, so many things that, you know, I never had an advocate for me. And that's why I've been so big on doing outreach and teaching people about the industry, because I want to try to be there for somebody. I can't be there for everybody, but maybe with Mubu TV and what you're doing, we can be those people, even if it's through, uh, you know, them watching us on the, our videos. But I've always tried to be big on advocating for other artists and, you know, uh, it, it's been interesting because I didn't have those. I mean, I've had people that believe in me. Don't get me wrong. You know, family members, your mom, dad. I mean, that's the obvious, but <laughs> that real, doesn't count. real people that can really make a difference in, in your career. They're so few and far between that when you find one of those people, you've got to hold on, you know, because they're like gold because they're the ones that keep you going. They're the ones that make you start going up that roller coaster again, you know? Um, and so, it's a, it's a very interesting thing, but yeah, I have experience. I mean, I've, ex I think we've all experienced that as artists, but I've seen people that have struggled with that, you know, problem where they can't seem to get a break. And it's typically either to be honest, their commitment level, when you really look at it and you go, well, what are you committed to rich? You say that, what's that saying that you say all the time about commitment? That if you want to know what someone's life is about, look at what they're committed to it will tell you everything you need to know because people's lives are a reflection of their commitments. I mean, I, I, I believe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I believe that too. And so, you know, uh, in terms of what's happening with the struggling artists that you're talking about, you know, that are out there maybe listening that are not catching a break, it could be any number of reasons why, why it's occurring or, you know, and, you know, there is a part of this that is luck too. I mean, there is the luck part of this, uh, you know, equation that we're talking about. Um, and that's what the fascinating thing about this journey is, is that there's no one path to success. You can't go, oh, I'm going to do what Lady Gaga did, or I'm going to do what, you know, Taylor Swift did. You, you can't think on those levels because each one of them had their own little kind of different variables that happened. That's, that's what made them break. And so, uh, it's, it, it, I guess what you can do is learn how these people became successful. And you will see that there's a thread in a lot of the, in the, a lot of the stories, 
but yeah. it's it's the different variables that got them over the hump. So I hope that that kind of answered what you were asking. Yeah, that's great. No, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I think we, like I said, we all hit that wall to some degree, but, you know, I just know I've got friends that, that are artists that, um, you know, I've watched over the years that they've done everything right. Um, amazing singers, amazing songwriters. They, they work their tails off and for whatever reason, they just cannot catch a break, you know, and sometimes things kind of poke their head up little opportunities, you know, some, some things opportunity will come up and they'll have an opportunity for something that will, um, kind of shed some light on whatever, and then it's gone. And then it's just kind of back to the, the hustle and grind of it again. And, you know, it's just like, it's little things that just kind of pop up here and there, but it's never anything that can be, that just kind of rides, rides along. Yeah. And it kind of keeps growing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing. Ironically enough, we just released at the time of this recording, we released a, a podcast with Michael Alago, which is, was a real legendary A&R guy. He's the guy that signed Metallica. He signed uh, White Zombie, N- Nina Simone. If you're in those worlds of rock, I mean, everybody knows Metallica, you know, pretty much whatever genre you're in, you've heard of that name. And one of the things that he said in that interview was that if you, you know, play like if you like, you know, you're playing for a million people, even if though there's one person there and you're doing all these things like what you're talking about, right? Something will happen. But the other part that he said in the equation, which I thought was beautiful, is like not everybody's going to become Metallica and because if not, everybody would be doing sure. this, you know? So, uh, so the thing is, is that what is your definition of success, which is another thing that me and Rich talk about all the time. And, you know, maybe it's the journey part of that, you know? Yeah. I'm glad you said that, uh, be, the definition of success, because I talk about this a lot. Um, I'm going to tell you what mine is, and then I want to hear what you what yours is. Okay. So I always tell people on the show, my definition of success is if you can pay your bills and if you can support a family, if you have one, if you can do those two things in the, in the world of music, no matter what it is you're doing, whether it's, and I'm, I do multiple things in music to, to do it full time. You can't be just, you, most people can't be an artist and that's it, or a songwriter and that's it anymore. You have to do three or four or five, six different things. A jack of all trades and master of them all. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So if you, um, so however that works for you and it's different for everyone, but if you can pay your bills and if you can support a family, if you've got one, um, doing those things in the music world, then you are successful. That's what it boils down to. Now there are things that can go above and beyond that, but for me, that's what I always tell my listeners that that is the definition definition of success to be in the music industry. So that being said, I'm curious to know what yours, what your definition I, is. I, I would agree with that statement. I would agree with the same thing. You know, we all have to do all these things to hustle and and, and to make a living. And yeah, I, I definitely agree with what you say a hundred percent. And I think it's also too taking the wins of what you're doing. If, if, if it is that you're an artist, if you're connecting with your audience and if people, if the audience is growing and you're making, I think that those things are successes too. You got to take the small wins, whether they're big or small and and just ride with them. If you came out in a and they did they did a really good story on you or it, you got to take that as a win. That's success to me. You know, just because you're not in the cover of Billboard magazine doesn't mean that you're not successful. Look at all these faceless bands right. and artists that we're seeing yeah. that are having like 
tremendous success that we're like going, where are these people coming from? So I think that definition has changed. I think it's also too, because of the world that we live in today, because there's so many things now, you know, we went from a three channel world, ABC, NBC, CBS. Now we've got 6,000 channels. So it's, you know, trying to break through to get to everybody and to be all things to all people, those days are over. It's extremely rare that that's going to happen ever again. The Michael Jacksons of the world, it's just going to be extremely, extremely rare. And it's going to get rarer as all these people that are dying, that are starting to die off, you know? I mean, that creates other opportunities as well for artists, but it's going to be very few and far between. So I would take any successes that you're having and make those as part of, you know, to be successful. But it, it, but in terms of what you're saying, I agree with you. If you can make a living doing this, whether it's doing, you know, what, whether we're doing this podcast and you're making money for, or whatever it is, but you're doing it involved with music, I think that you're, you're a success. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. And, and I think that the, 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 the basis is, as you were saying, Marty, is that, Every artist has to start with that question because I've spoken to artists who their definition of success is, you know, making a living doing, you know, weddings in their town, you know, performing at, yeah. at a bunch of things and, you know, making two, three hundred bucks a time. And, you know, it's extra income and, and that's success to them. You know, other times it's being able to tour uh, other, t you know, and, and we know as Eric has been talking about this, that there's plenty of artists out there who, you know, we've never heard of, but they're making an active living in music. Now, is that success? Well, to me, it is success because they're making a living doing music and nothing else. Are, are, are right. they working 10 and a half or 11 months of the year? Yes. Have we ever heard of them? No, we have not. But they are able to make a living through touring, through selling merch, through, you know, uh, any number of different kinds of ways. There are dozens yeah. of artists out there who are doing this. So I think, you know, if your definition of success is I need number one hit singles and I need, you know, big tours, then that, if that's, if you're really clear that that's your definition of success, then you have to work toward that. But I would also say you have to learn what are the parameters within that world of, of your definition that make mm -hmm. that happen. Um, you, you can't be incongruent with that. You can't have, that's what I want, but I want to do, you know, weird idiosyncratic stuff that only connects with a, you know, a small core audience that there, there's an incongruency there in terms of, of sure. that. I mean, yeah. if that's your definition of success, then you have to learn what are the things that achieve that? What do you have to do? What's the level of commitment you need to have massive number one hit singles? What kinds of songs, yeah. you know, do that? What kinds of artists, you know? Um, that's that's a very big, important component of it. Because as Eric said before, um, not everybody can have, you know, the level of success of Metallica or of Taylor Swift. I mean, that's the, that's the one-tenth of one percent at the very top. And that's, and, right. and that's also after many, 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 many years, you know? Taylor Swift was a, a, an eight- eight-year build uh, in terms of her career. Sure. Metallica's was a many-year build. They didn't come out of the gate with, you know, massive success. When you look at the artists that do come out of the gate with massive success right from the get-go, oh, exactly. There's only one place for them to go, and they may not go straight down, but, it, uh, you know, 
it eventually levels off. Uh, and, and that's yeah. something you, you don't want to have happen. You'd rather build something. If you look at the most successful careers, or if your audience looks at the most successful careers of the artists that they love throughout time, careers go like this. Up you know, down. whether it was Paul McCartney or whether it was, you know, the Rolling Stones or, you know, everybody had, you know, or Barbara Streisand, it doesn't matter. Every career has that, you know, no career has ever done that in the history of the business, not long term. There are periods when Straight it does up, it, yeah. where you have that success. And it, it's interesting you bring this up because I was listening to an interview, a very recent interview with Scooter Braun, who's a very, very successful artist manager. And they were asking him about this very topic that you're asking about, about what does he consider success today? And he said, he said, it's, it's a great question because he said, I, I've been, you know, I, I've achieved all I've wanted to achieve financially. So it's not about money for me anymore. And he said, and, and I, I struggled with this question of like, you know, what do I want out of life? And he said, I went and I asked, you know, Jeff Bezos, you know, what is it that he wants out of life? you know, the level that he's at. He says, I want to become a better person. I want to become a, a better manager. I want to become somebody that, that can be there for people. It's not just about money. And it wasn't just about success because he had achieved that. So it's like Rick Rubin talked about this very principle too on a documentary I want to recommend to your listeners. If you want to get into the creative process and really learn, it's called Shangri-La. And it's a documentary that was on Showtime check this out. It's absolutely brilliant. And he spoke about something which is very deep and very philosophical. He said, a lot of times you can never really truly as an artist be depressed until you've achieved your dreams, until your dreams have come true. Now that may sound counterintuitive, but what he was talking about is that often so many times in life, we think that success or fulfilling our dream is going to fill in that hole for us. And it's only when we get there with the number one album, with all the money we'll ever need for five lifetimes, that you realize that hole is still there. And it, yep. it's, you know, that's just kind of, I, I don't want to necessarily divert the conversation into that, but for your listeners, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a documentary they should check out on this subject because it really explores sure. that in a very, very significant way. Yeah. I had a guest on um, in season for Jason Davis. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Jason Davis, no. but um, he's been he's been in the industry for years and a very successful manager and a label head and all this different stuff he's done. And that's exactly what he lived. And we talked about that. He made it to the very top of of the industry. Like he had everything that you could possibly want and was, you know, inches away from committing suicide. Wow. And um, you know, and then ended up not so I'll leave it at that and say, go listen to the interview that I did with Jason Davis um, to hear the outcome of, of that conversation. But, um, you know, and that's where a lot of people do get to that point. If you hit, you get everything that you want and then realize, wait, there's, this isn't everything that there is in life to, to, to have. Yeah. Um, that's a very real conversation. Absolutely. So, um, anyway. I'm so glad you brought that up because the perception often is if my dreams come true, it, 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 you know, everything's taken care of. If I have all the money I need, if I have all the success, if I have it, but you realize like, you know, what's the motivation for that? What drove you to that place? You know, it's mm -hmm. you, you, 
yeah, Jason Davis, he had it right. And that's a very, it's that conversation, Marty, and that feeling is far more common among very successful people than we realize. Many of them don't talk about it, but Jason obviously had the courage to bring that forth. Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers talked about that at the height of their success. You know, when they were enormous worldwide, he was ready to commit suicide, you know, and he had all the money. He had all the success. He had achieved his artistic dreams. He was on top of the world, musically speaking. He was touring stadiums of the world and he wanted to kill himself, you know, and yeah, it's that's very, very real. Um, and those are and, one of the other things that we're covering too in Mubu TV is that we're trying to take that holistic approach. We're talking about mental health, which I'm sure you may have talked about in some of your episodes, Marty, but that's like a big thing because that is a big issue that goes on with musicians, uh, you know, whether it's substance abuse problems, which, you know, we've, you know, we know all the stories about that, uh, or it's other things. It's, it's being alone on a, on a tour bus and just going from one place to another and just waking up in a different, and you don't even remember what city you were in, not because you were maybe, you know, intoxicated or anything like that or inebriated, but just that whole idea of that you're enclosed and you're alone. And so those are some of the issues that we want to tackle as well, too, is about the whole mental health thing and the struggle that we go through as artists or people that are in the professional side of things. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, this has been amazing. Um, I really, really have enjoyed our conversation. I appreciate you guys coming on and talking with me and sharing your stories and, um, and amazing advice. Uh, let me just ask you on the, as we close up, um, <laughs> I mean, you've, you've answered so many amazing questions already and given so much amazing advice but just as we wrap up is there any advice that we haven't talked about some some things that you should do some things you should avoid for people that are wanting to work in the industry in any area of the business not necessarily just as an artist but any part that you guys have been a part of yeah throughout your careers uh that that you might share with us i i my suggestion would be uh you know what what rich suggested with that documentary i would say study the the lives of other successful people in the industry whether there were musicians or whether you're on the business side of things there is so much information as rich said earlier we have it all in our fingertips now i would study that because i think that's a great motivation for inspiration particularly from the artist side is to study the story whether you like the artist or not just learn about and you're going to see the commonalities of how these people became successful and you're going to get those you know words of encouragement or that inspiration to kind of keep you going to the next stage of your, of your career that's what i would suggest awesome a- absolutely i i would i would also say you know Give this some serious thought. This is a life. This is not just, you know, oh, well, I'll try this for a year. And if it doesn't work out, I'll, I'll, I'll go do something else. Y- you will learn after a year that this is a life. So, and, and I think, you know, what Eric said was so important right now, because we're in an era today where whether you're an artist listening to this, or you're a future executive or a future manager or publisher um, or label executive, there's so many sources of things you can you can look at. There's a great PBS documentary, for example, called Inventing David Geffen, which is a documentary all about his career and how he built the successful career in his own uh, business life. 
There's, you know, um, Clive Davis, you know, My Life in Music, which is available on Netflix, which you can you can watch. I mean, there's a, a great example of somebody who done it. Um, Barry Gordy's incredible book, To Be Loved, uh, that he wrote all about, you know, building Motown and what that was about and what that took and his incredible invention of things. I think, you know, if this is something you really want to do, learn about it. See if it really is, you know, see if it, it learn about the business and then understand, is this something I want to commit myself to? I've had people who have gone through my courses before say, you know, the thing that I learned about after taking the, the classes at, at MI or taking them at, at UCLA was, this isn't a career for me. And I, I was really thrilled that they said that, not, not out of any negativity, but that they actually got enough information to realize this isn't what I want to commit my time, my energy, and my focus to. And I think that's important. I think that's very important. I think, you know, understanding the things that you're not committed to are very important than understanding what you are committed to. I mean, how many of us in life have committed to things for far longer than we should have before we just got it that this isn't for me? So that that would be my advice. You know, if if music is your 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 journey, then as Eric was saying, you gotta appreciate the journey. You you may never have a number one album. I don't know, um, but you know, at least make the make the decision that this is going to be a, something that you're committed to, um, if you're to have success in it, if it's to be your career. Yeah, I appreciate it very much. Uh, and something that, and we've talked about this before um, on different episodes, but just to kind of reiter- reiterate, because you were talking about this earlier about the the. Ten, one tenth of one percent, you know, the Taylor Swifts and Michael Jacksons of the world and that kind of thing. Um, and the people that think a success is only having those number ones and all that, all that kind of stuff. And the, the truth is, is that the vast, I mean, the 99% of people in the world that are in music in some form or fashion are not going to be that, right? You're not going, most people are not going to have number one hits and be on award shows and winning Grammys and doves and ACM awards and whatever, all that kind of stuff. But you can still be very successful with what you do in your career and not have those things because the majority of people are not going to have those things. Right. Um, and if you, if you do accomplish those things, amazing, congratulations. That's an incredible feat that few people get to enjoy, but for the rest of us, (laughs) you know, be successful, work hard and do, do your best at what you can do in your career. And, you know, like I said, if you can pay your bills and support a family, if you've got one, then, and those other things will come, you know, and then you can enjoy all that stuff. So anyway, gentlemen, thank you. This has been fantastic. I've really, really enjoyed getting to know you guys and, and look forward to a long, a long continued friendship from this point forward that we'll have. And, um, and if I can ever help you guys out, please let me know and, and vice versa. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. You guys have a great day. All right, guys. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this amazing conversation. And I hope that you take everything that we talked about and find a way to apply it to your career, no matter what you're pursuing in the music industry. There's so much that you can do, whether artistically or on the business side of things. And these guys have just given just an incredible amount of information that you can apply. And so I hope you take it and run with it. Be sure again to go check out their podcast, their series on Mubu TV. And again, you can check them out 
at mubutv.com, M-U-B-U-T-V.com. And they're also on YouTube. So please be sure to check them out. Like I said, we're a companion series, so we want to encourage each other. We want to encourage you know you guys to go check out theirs, come check out mine, and anything that's going to help you guys pursue your careers and be successful, we want to help you do that. So please be sure to do that. Again, thank you guys so much for being a part of this season. I'm so grateful to all the guests that have been on the show this season and throughout the course of the whole series. It's been just phenomenal. So thank you guys. You make it happen, and I'm just so grateful for that. So thank you. And never fear, season six will be here before you know it. So keep checking back, and I can't wait for you to hear the the amazing guests that are coming up very, very soon. Remember, Edenbrook Productions is here to help if you need consulting services via phone call, Skype, Zoom, or FaceTime. Let us know how we can help you begin to make a living in the music industry.